0: (laughs) Uh, You guys want me to preach on joy or do you want me to preach on worship? All right, we're going with joy. (laughs) All right, let's just thank Jesus. Everyone say thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to, oh man, okay, we're going to go quick and we're going to have fun, okay? All right, raise your hand if you heard the scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, Christians. All right, so Nehemiah or Nehemiah—I don't know how you say it. What church you were raised in? I say Nehemiah. The guy who does the audio Bible says Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, uh, verse or chapter eight. We're talking. This is where that scripture comes from, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Everyone say the joy of the Lord is my strength. Is my strength. Whose joy is it? Who's joyful? The Lord, it's his joy. Where do we get the joy from? It's his joy. The joy of who? Is what? Okay, check this out. In Nehemiah 8, it's crazy when he says that. So the, how many of you guys know that there's, oh man, there's so much in 20 minutes. Gosh, okay. Nehemiah 8, they are repairing the wall of Jerusalem so the enemies can't get them, okay? Israel, Israel. God's people been beat up all sides in captivity. Finally kind of a remnant comes and then their wall is completely torn down. They're the laughingstock of their enemies. Nehemiah gets all stoked in his heart and asks the, the king that he served if he could leave and go help repair the wall for his people. The king says, yes, you can go help and repair it. And right as they, were do- they were, as they were repairing it, they had to repair it with swords in, on their side. And people were guarding day and night with, with spears while other people repaired it, right? And after they were done, like the day after, the, the, the governors of Jerusalem were reading the, the law to the people. And it says that the people wept and that they were grieved. And the, and the governors told them, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And there's something about being people of God in the midst of a war. And there's something about when the enemy tries to come and take your joy, he can also take your strength. There's some, imagine being people of Israel. There's armies on all sides coming against you. And the, go, and the governor say, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's something about maintaining that place of inner joy, knowing that you need it for cur- to be courageous in this war that you're in. Does that make sense? I think the enemy loves to take our joy because, for one, it can feel like it's not necessary. Anyone feel that way? It's like it's just not necessary. It's just like I don't know about it. At least I've talked to some people. Maybe you guys are like, heck no, I need that joy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We can just laugh in here and have fun. This is great. <laughs> um, come on. Yeah, it's – there's <laughs> – okay, let's go to some notes. This is a lot. I'm still like – I'm. I thought it was 545, so I told them just have them break up in groups. We'll just pray and and go get out of here. But here we go. Fire of God. (laughs) Come on. All right. There's a difference between godly grief and worldly grief, okay? The joy of the Lord doesn't mean that you never experience grief or you go through hard times. Amen? Amen? The joy of the Lord doesn't mean that we're not... Going through hard times, it means that in the midst of those hard times, you have hope, and that hope does not put you to shame because God has put his love in our hearts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Come on. So in Paul to the Corinthians, he says, um, he basically rebukes them because they're walking in sin, and he's like, hey, don't do that. And then he says, and this is Second uh, Corinthians 7, 9, Paul's talking, he goes, and now I rejoice, not because you were made sorrowful, but because your grief and your sorrow led you to repentance, For you felt that grief and that sorrow that God had intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly grief and sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. When you're carrying a weight that isn't from God, it leads to death. It leads you to taking your courage when actually you're called to be full of joy in order to fight and bring the kingdom of God. Does it make sense? There's a difference between just being downcast and being downcast because of something tragic. Does that make sense? If, if I walk out there and I see somebody get hurt by a car, that's tragic. I'm going to have grief. Does that make sense? Worldly joy doesn't mean we just don't experience... Okay, you guys got this. Some, there's, some, there's, a, there's a remnant of Christianity that thinks you can only experience joy or else you're, you know... It's like, no, joy is not God. God is, uh, God, is God, and we experience joy from Him. Amen? I had a, I had a dream one time that... Um, in the dream, people were telling me that I wasn't being sympathetic to people who were going through hard times because I was joyful. They're like, you don't, you don't care about people who are going through hard times because of your joy. And they're offended by me. And they're like, you're so joyful, but you, you don't care about people who are going through hard times. And in the dream, I looked at them and I showed them my wrist. And, and not just in the dream, but physically right here, I have a massive laceration from when I, before I knew Jesus, I was depressed. And I woke up in a hospital bed one night with lacerations, which are cuts all over. Like my, I had hacked my, my arm, okay? I had hacked my arm and I was depressed. And and I told them in the dream, I said, <laughs> I said, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, I woke up in a hospital bed, stitches all over my arm, and I I needed I mean, look, I don't know if you guys can see it right there. <laughs> but in the dream, I was telling these people, I said, You don't you don't know. <laughs> I said, you don't know. I was depressed and God saved me, and the joy of my salvation is my strength. You know, there's a balance between is this making sense? Sorry, guys. I'm kind of jumbled. I'm still like. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> how do we go back to joy if you are feeling downcast, okay? This, how do you go back to this place if you're feeling like, well, I know God is joyful. He has joy for me. But I just don't feel this right now. What, what are some things we could do? Well, the Bible says that those who go out sowing, carrying the seed of sowing, those who sow in tears will come back reaping hearts of joy, okay? So there's something you have to do with that. You don't ignore it. In fact, you dive into that. You don't ignore the stuff you're going through. You dive into it and bring it to the Lord because then you get his perspective and you get his hope and his joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Does that make sense? Peter and the, the disciples The apostles were flogged in the Sanhedrin and sent out of the Sanhedrin after being put in jail. And it says that they left rejoicing. Rejoicing. Because they considered it all joy to be counted worthy to suffer disgrace and shame for the sake of the gospel. Isn't that crazy? Joy has nothing to do with your circumstances here on earth. It has something to do with your perspective of where you're going and and what God says. Does that make sense? It's not just for the outgoing like Extroverts, it's an inner bubble that bubbles up, come on, Jesus, Jesus, come on, the Bible says, Jesus said that when, blessed are you when people hate you, anyone feel blessed when people hate you? (laughs) I think some of us just need to get like, dude, like if people hate me, like it's okay, I'm blessed. Bless our pe- Some of us get really bitter when people hate us, you know, and it ruins our world. Anyways, <laughs> Jesus is like, blessed, which means happy, by the way. These words mean happy. Happy are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. And then it says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Everyone say, leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. In Thessalonians, Paul literally says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Amen? Come on. Why, are, why do we rejoice? Why? Is it just so we can, like, please ourselves and feel happy and joyful? No, it's because we know he's good and we need that strength. And it's just a part of who he is, right? The Bible says that in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand, our pleasures forevermore. It's just who he is. Amen. Thanks for bearing with me, guys. I feel all over the place today. Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. (sighs) Jesus. Jesus, just... Close your eyes for a second. If you're, if you're in this room and you feel like you're, you're distant from the joy of the Lord, first off, I just want you to see the Lord in front of you, seeing you. There's, there's people who are experiencing grief, and it's and it's not bad that you're experiencing grief. You're going through tragic things, okay? I'm not saying you should not be feeling those things. I'm saying there's hope for you. I'm saying there's a God who sees you. And he's able to sympathize with you. He's 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 he can sympathize with everything you're going through. Jesus. 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 Yeah, I just I just feel the Lord breaking off things tonight. I see. Lord, literally, spiritually grabbing whatever's messing with people and delivering people tonight. Amen. Jesus. I, I, even if right now, in Jesus' name, if there's people who feel a tightness over your back, I just say, loose in Jesus' name right now. Be loosed. Be free in Jesus' name right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now. In Jesus' name. You know how the, the thing that keeps me joyful is, the, is simple. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's where are you looking? Where, where, is your, where is your hope? Where are you staring at every day? We're busy. We have four kids. My wife and I both work, and we, sometimes it's tiring. There's a lot to do, you know? And the other day I woke up with a dream, and the Lord was like, in the busyness, the thing that's going to give you energy for your kids is just joy. Just play with them. Sometimes it's like the first thought on your mind is like all the things you have to do in life. But what if the first thought on your mind was the Lord's joy and his goodness? And that carried you to do everything you need to do. The reason why I'm talking about joy is because I there's something in me that believes that it really is our strength. That it's not just a, a fun thing to sing about and say, but it actually does empower you. It gives you courage. The enemy loves to discourage you, take your courage. God is always encouraging. The Bible says you've been born again into a living hope. I really believe any thought that doesn't produce hope in your life is rooted in a lie. I have joy every day because I want the truth. I want the truth. I don't want whatever the lies are. And and if you feel these things, go to God and get his perspective. Does that make sense? Go to God. Get his perspective over what you're going through. Hear his voice. Read the Bible and believe it. The disciples and the apostles are getting flogged, thrown in prison, yet they're rejoicing, singing songs in prison because this isn't their life. Their circumstances aren't their life. Their circumstances is that they are literally, their names are written in the book of life. That's why you have joy. That's why joy isn't happiness and joy stays because it's not rooted in the things of this world. Amen? The death and resurrection of Jesus is the joy of your salvation. And there's power in that. When the disciples came back and they're all stoked that the demons were all excited, or the demons were all excited. Uh, the demons were all excited. This is what happens when we try to rush a sermon. The demons were all excited. Um, that the demons were subject to them. Jesus was like, hey, don't rejoice that, that you have power of the demons. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Amen? Come on. There was a thought I was going to say right before that, but then I was like, I'm going to go <laughs> off of this train. And I'll come back to that. Didn't Didn't happen come on, Holy Spirit. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Hmm. (laughs) I have a friend named Kevin Dedman, and um, how many many of you know that there's there's people that call, I'll call liquid courage, you guys know that, because when you're when you're under the influence of alcohol, you may do things that you weren't like, you didn't have a, a hindrance to do. You're just like going for it. Um, this guy Kevin Debman he says like when I when I go and preach the gospel, I like to sit and drink of the Lord first, so that I can leak Him. So instead of being drunk with wine, so I have all this fake courage, he drinks of the Lord and gets joyful, and then he goes and like, you know, when you're when you're drunk with wine, you wake up the next morning and you feel bad about what you did. You're like, oh shoot, I like, shouldn't have done that. But when you're full of the Holy Ghost and you're, and you're literally full of his joy, you wake up the next morning and you're proud of what you did. You're like, wow, I went out and I preached the gospel and things happened. Does that make sense? We need the Holy Spirit to fill us so we can, you know, the Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than nine who don't need to. There's joy in laying down your life like Jesus did For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and laid down his life. There's joy in that. There's joy in not living for yourself, but waking up every day to look like Jesus, represent Jesus, and preach the gospel. There's joy in just being who you're created to be, and you were created to look like God. In the garden, it says he made man in his image. In whose image? God's. And in the image of God and in his likeness, he created him. And who is God? Love. And love doesn't seek its own. You were created to lay down your life for others and look like God. There's joy in going back to that and saying, this is who I am. The Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness beyond that of his companions. Some people say, well, he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Of course, when he was going to the cross, read the next sentence of that word. Isaiah 53, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then right after in the same breath, he says, surely it was our sorrows he carried, and it was our grief that he bore. And the chastisement that us peace was upon him, and by his strife we are healed. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, carrying the sin of humanity so we could be free. Depression isn't from God. You're not condemned if you're feeling depressed. I'm not saying, how dare you feel depressed? That's not from God. I'm saying, that's not from God. And there's more for you, amen? Sometimes you have to put up your shield of faith. Sometimes you have to say, I'm not depressed anymore. Sometimes you have to say, depression, I divorce you. You're a familiar spirit. I'm used to you, but you know what? I, it's not about me anyways. I, I, guys, I'm not saying this without compassion. I'm saying this because I'm full of compassion and I care about people who are depressed because I was depressed. Does that make sense? I don't want people to be depressed because I don't believe you have to. I was like bipolar and depressed for years and I have the marks to prove it. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was set free from that. I have good news. That I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and he paid the price. That sorrow that he carried was the sin of the world. The Bible says that he became sin on the cross and condemned sin in the flesh. I was bound by the power of sin in my flesh before I came to Jesus. But by the grace of God, he condemned that sin in the flesh so that those who live, the Bible says he died, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them, right? I said this last time, consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus, right? Oh, that's, that's a whole sermon. Jesus. Guys. Ha, ha, hallelujah. <laughs> Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. Everyone said, I, say, I was dead. I was dead. <laughs> Everyone said I was dead. I was dead. But God who is rich in mercy. Wait, let's read it. I'm not going to butcher it right here. <laughs> you, want David. So, what, you want me to pretend I know it? There we go. All right, hallelujah. No, wait, it came back to me. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of of disobedience. But God, who is rich in mercy, raised you up with Christ and seated you with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he could show the power of his riches and kindness towards us who believe. Okay, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God raised you up with Christ and seated you with him in the heavenly places. And the Bible says you were by nature a child of wrath. You were by nature children of wrath. We're getting into the gospel because I believe you can't have joy unless you believe the gospel. Okay? It's hard to have joy if you still think you're a dirty sinner and you're always going to be sinning. Because you got guilt, shame, condemnation hovering over you forever. The Bible says there therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus is really holy and he he you're you're a temple fit for a king. Not because of anything you've done or your own pride, but because you just said yes to him and his grace. He stands at the door knocking and you just said come in. That's it. The Bible says that your faith is credited to you as righteousness. He looks at you as righteous just because of faith in his righteous son. It's good news. You don't have to try to be good anymore. You have to believe in Jesus and abide in him. Does that make sense? If you're going to try really hard to be good, try really hard at believing what Jesus did for you. Because you can't on your own strength anyways. Believe what he did for you and let him in. Let him live through you. If I try every day to be like Jesus on my own strength, I'm going to fail. I tried for many years before I gave my life to him. But this is what we're talking about. The gospel is you get born again. You were by nature a child of wrath by nature. Because of what Adam did. The Bible says that Jesus, Adam, was a shadow of the one to come, and Jesus is the second Adam. Okay? Why? Because he lived a perfect life. It says, through the one man's transgression, all have sinned. But through the one man's perfection, all will be made holy. Does that make sense? Uh, The word born again means from above. That's why it says that you've been raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places. You have a new nature. Doing the right thing will come naturally for you when you abide in Jesus inside of you. Does that make sense? Yeah does, come on. This is waking up every day and say, God, I'm a wicked person, sanctify me. This is God. I was washed. I was sanctified. And I'm still being saved and I'm still being sanctified. But my sanctification isn't, I'm wicked, I need to go to holy. It was, I was wicked. I got baptized into your death and resurrection. And now I no longer live, but you live in me. Bible says that you must be holy in all your conduct, even as your Father in heaven is holy. How can you be holy if you're a wicked sinner? This is, there's so much more I need to unpack right there so much more. Lord, help me. Sorry, guys. There's just more there. Jesus. 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 Thank you, God. Jesus. Is this making sense? The point is to believe what God says about you. Because when you believe a lie, it takes your hope. It takes your joy. Because it's not from what what you're created for. Does that make sense? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. doesn't mean you don't go through hard times. Jesus says, in this world, you may have many tribulations and trials, but take heart because I've overcome them all. You may go through things, but when you, that's not to say you don't go through things, but when you go through things, you have a job. It's to take heart because someone has overcome those things. Does that make sense? We're going through things in life. You're walking through life. Tragic things happen. Sow in tears so you can reap in joy. Amen. Let it out, but believe, 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 yeah? All right. Thanks for bearing with me. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, God, we just love you. We love you, Jesus. This is all for you, Jesus. Paul in 2 Corinthians says that the God of all comfort comforts us in our affliction. And if you've been feeling afflicted, I pray that the God of all comfort would comfort you right now. Come on. Not everything in life that happens is God's will. Let's say that again. Not everything that happens in life is God's will. If it was God's will to kill people... There's killing happening all the time. There's murderers. That's not God's will that that would happen, yet it happens. God isn't in his, yes, God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he's given the earth into the hands of man. Okay? God is light, and in him is no darkness. What partnership does light have with darkness? Okay? Come on. The devil would love to do something and then blame God. God, let us not be people who who change what we think about you when we go through hard times. God, let us not be people who give up knowing that you're good. Hmm. And what you said. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Bible says he is the visible image of the invisible God. Okay? Anyone who came to Jesus was healed. He went out into all their lands, preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven, healing all the sick, casting out devils. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the perfect will of the Father. He came and revealed the will of the Father for humanity. Now it's our job to represent Jesus, right? It's our job to take up our place as Christians, as people full of the Holy Spirit, the hands and feet of Jesus, to have dominion over this earth, over those things that were never meant to be here in the first place, amen? Father, I pray you would just anoint our hands to heal. Anoint our hearts to believe. Help us to go forth in faith in Jesus' name, God. Help us to go forth in faith in Jesus' name. Amen.